Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Patriots Report. My name is Christopher Price, the Boston Globe. Today, I am happy to be joined by a great reporter and a great friend of mine, Mike Reese of ESPN. Mike, covering the Patriots for an extended stretch, you've seen Bill Belichick pull off all sorts of unorthodox coaching decisions over the years. We've seen the intentional safety in Denver. Mike Vrabel as a tight end. Troy Brown and Julian Edelman as defensive backs. Look, when it came to the Monday win over the Bills and the decision to throw the ball just three times, where does that rank for you in terms of overall unconventional approaches? It would be up near the top, right? I, I would say the the safety on the punt in mm-hmm. Denver, like to take the intentional safety, probably would be the top, right, in terms of the unconventional. Because when it happened, you're like, what? Mm-hmm. What is he thinking, right? This, I, I thought, was a little bit – I don't think he went into the game saying – it's just going to be three times. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I think it was the way it played out more than like the, a decision Mm -hmm. like the safety. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, so I look at those as somewhat different, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And had the score been different, um, you know, I I think he would have thrown it a little bit more. Part of it obviously was dictated by the weather and the conditions and one of the things that it was interesting, I was talking with Shalise Manza Young about this, the continuing ability to adapt, the flexibility, not just week to week, but situation to situation thing is what continues to stand out for me about Bill and his coaching approach. Man, I'll tell you, Chris, it, it is something else, really. And and I think it's it's not just the coaching, it's the way the team is built and put together, right? Because to be able to adapt, you have to have all those different parts to do that. And so Matthew Judon had said it, I want to say last week when I had asked him, I said, what's one word or how would you describe the defense? And he thought for a second and he said, you know, we can transform into something different each week. Mm -hmm. Like you want to play big players and try to run it on us. We'll play our big guys and we'll try to, you know, we'll try to stop you. You want to try to throw it on us? We'll, we'll put our past guys out there, you know, and their ability to do that, I think ties into what you're talking about, which is adaptability. And we see it on offense too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, we want to pound it at you. Like we'll pound it at you, but it's not like they haven't thrown it this year. Right. Pricey. I mean, yep. yeah. Mac had 300 yards a couple of weeks ago, right. Throwing the ball. So to me that it is the beauty of the Belichick experience, if you will. At 13 games in. Sitting at nine and four, the bye week, what stands out for you the most about this team? One of the things for me, and we were, I was talking with, with uh, Tara Sullivan about this, it seems easy to say, but they genuinely like each other, in my experience. The Jacoby Myers touchdown, the Damian Harris touchdown run a couple of weeks ago, those very noticeable public displays of affection continue to stand out for me time and again. So I, I agree with that. And like sometimes, so what I try to do, Chris, is like I try to, I've been trying to watch the game in full, like after, because you pick up so much stuff that you don't see live. And so like this past week, for example, Damian Harris scores a touchdown and I'm watching and I see this one player sprinting down the sideline (laughs) to the end zone and like making like an L shaped to get to the end zone to congratulate Damian Harris. 
and it's Brandon Bolden. Like he just just literally sprinting down the side because he wanted to be there for 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 Damien to celebrate. And so that uh, other examples, you know, Shaq Mason gets like a little extra push from Matt Milano, the linebacker, when he's like prone on the ground. And I see Isaiah Wynn come over and give a little forearm shiver to Milano, like, hey, get off my guy. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm seeing all these things when I review the games that I'm not seeing live, like they're sticking up for each other. Now, all that being said, I know you were there when Bill used to say this. We, we would bring this up to Bill and he would say, look, if it was that easy, all we would do is sit around in a circle <laughs> and say and sing Kumbaya or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And would be 17 and 0. Mm-hmm. like so. It, look, it's great to have chemistry and like each other. You still have to go out and execute. Mm-hmm. And I think I would combine the two things. Like they're executing, especially in the critical situations, and they really like each other, right? And I think that th- that combination is powerful. The, the, you can have one and not have the other, especially if you have a talented team, but you don't have the chemistry. And we've seen that down there on a number of occasions where they've had no question, they've had some of the best talent in the league, but for whatever reason, they just can't seem to put it together. We've seen you know, teams with real chemistry, for whatever reason, they just can't manage to, you know, to get to where they want to be. This team seems to be able to combine the two nicely. You bring up Judon, and I have been a, a huge fan of Judon for, for an awful long time. And this is something that really continues to stand out for me. And I want to get your opinion on this specific to him. He strikes me as a guy who has made maybe the most seamless transition from outsider to team leader maybe since Rodney Harrison and Ted Johnson said that he feels like Matthew was empowered by Bill Belichick in the same way that Rodney Harrison was empowered by Bill Belichick. Look, come in here. Don't just dip your toe in the water here. I want you to be who you want to be. I want you to be a big personality. I want you to be a leader on this defense. Great thoughts. I I, I think I might agree with you. I'm trying to think of others, you know, um, in the past, I guess, I have a couple thoughts and one is Matthew hasn't had adversity yet. Mm-hmm. And so I want to see what it looks like when there's a little adversity, like it's been pretty good, you know, for him, the production is high. Um, and to be honest, pricey, like the last two weeks, there've been a couple things that have shown up to me on the field performance wise that make me say like, if this doesn't get cleaned up, like this could mm-hmm. come back and hurt them. So Two weeks ago against the Titans, I want to say there were four plays that I marked on my sheet where I felt like he lost the edge, like of the defense. Okay. And one where he rushed up the field and gave an escape lane to Tannehill. And I know the guys on the ESPN broadcast the other night against the Bills noted one play where he rushed up the field and, and uh, Josh Allen squirted out for a long run. And there was another play where I thought he was a little soft on the edge. And so I'm looking at this and I'm saying to myself, we're focused a lot on the sacks and the sacks are awesome. 12 and a half, right? If I have the number 12 and a half, like just a couple things I thought to myself, like just tighten those up, you know, cause it's, I mean, I want, I want to put him in the defensive player of the year conversation, Mm -hmm. but the last couple of weeks have sort of pulled me back to say like couple concerning things there. 
So I know I sort of veered off path because you were talking about leadership and I totally agree with you. Terrific, great with the reporters, which I think is part of it, brings a great energy. All that I agree with. I just sort of wanted to mention that about the performance. To, no, to it, just it's sort a of, good yeah. point. It is. It's, it's a really good point. And, and that's, you bring up a really interesting angle here too, because I remember talking to Roosevelt Colvin when he first showed up in Foxborough and he said, in hindsight, it took me about a year to understand what Bill wanted from me at that position. And so I don't know if we're seeing that now, that readjustment from him specific to, and, and I'm glad you also bring this up, where he took the, the wide angle out toward the quarterback. Listening to the Chris Long podcast this week, he was talking with Kyle Van Noy about that. And, and Chris Long was kind of, kind of poking a little fun at Judon for taking the wide route here. So maybe that's one of those things, going back to the Colvin comment, that you know he's still kind of figuring out. Yes. Um, so, and, and now I'm going to circle back to your original point because I sort of took it off the road there. Sorry about that, Pricey. But, but I think um, we're not in the locker room, right? So it's all press conferences because of the COVID. But listening to the players talk about what it's like in the locker room, they point to Matthew and say he's brought an energy, a life to the locker room with his music with his personality, with his upbeat approach. Um, and I like what Matthew himself had said, that he likes to go up to Mac Jones himself and sort of get him going because Mac is sort of quiet, you know? And I think that to me is reflective of this whole conversation we're having, whether you want to talk about Matthew or the way they like each other, like everyone's sort of pulling, it seems like, in the same direction and bringing out the best in each other. I'm assuming that the biggest surprise for you this year, and maybe I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm assuming that the biggest surprise for you around this team has been the ascent of Mac Jones. Uh, maybe other than that, what, what, what surprised you the most about this team? So, so, so let's start. Can we just start with the Mac? That's and I perfect, mean, just, yeah. yeah, because, yep. because here's the thing, they, they draft them 15th and like, I truly believe that it was an open competition and they were going to sort of let it play out the way they, that it played out. Mm -hmm. That being said, like, I, I, I almost believe that Bill's preference was to go with Cam. Like, like, let's not rush this. Like, the worst thing we can do is rush this and create irreparable harm for a young quarterback's career. So to me, even though the competition was open, and I truly believe it was open. Like I, I, I always felt the needle was tilted toward Cam because of that. Like if it was even pricey, mm -hmm. it was Cam mm -hmm. because of the risk reward. So that that's why the Mac thing, I would agree with you. Like I, that has been my most pleasant surprise, not only winning the job when he did, but the way he's played, the way they've brought him along has been masterful, right? I think everyone would agree with that. Elsewhere, what other surprises would we say? You know, I mean, I'm going to tell you, like, Nick Folk. Yeah. Like, I know this is crazy, but, like, can we talk about an amazing story? This guy was out of the league mm -hmm. for two years when he came back in 19 to just sort of, like, like they had Steven Gostkowski gets hurt. Like, oh, we better, we better get someone in. Like, like he was a stopgap. Mm -hmm. Pricey. He was a like, and look at all the kicking problems around the league. Like, 
not only like to have him come in and like be the guy, but like he has made, what is it now? 52 straight field goals within 50 yards mm-hmm. going back to last season. Like he's like, who, who could have ever predicted that? It, I think it's the most imp- improbable story that no one's really talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and when you talk about a team and obviously look, you, you need a lot of different things to be able to win in January, but you know, around here, we know that you need a good special teams unit. You know, you need a dependable kicker. You need a dependable puncher. You need dependable coverage teams and folks continued ability to rise to the occasion time. And again, has been very impressive. I thought I was curious to see how he would react to missing that field goal at the end of the Tampa Bay game, even though it was a, a almost impossible field goal to be able to see how he's responded to that, that miss has been really remarkable. And he has been as absolutely as steady as they come. And to your point, the, the kicking around the league has been inconsistent at best. When you go into January with a guy like that, you have to feel very, very good about your chances. And pricey, like, okay, so we're talking about like what has surprised us. Mm-hmm. Like, don't you think based on the Patriots' own actions that it has surprised them? Yes. Like, yeah. so 2020... In the in the fifth round, they draft a kicker, Justin Rohrwasser. Like you pick a guy in the fifth round, like you're basically thinking he's gonna be your kicker yep. in 2020. Okay, bad pick, right? Like everyone has a bad pick. So this year, you know, they had cut Nick Folk at the start of the year for Quinn Nordin, Quinn Norden, mm-hmm. Nordine, right? Now they probably had it in their mind that they were going to bring Nick back and they were, you know, finessing that whole situation, how to best do it. But like all these actions, drafting one in the fifth round, undrafted rookie who makes your initial 53 man roster this year and Quinn mm-hmm. Nordeen, like I got to believe it surprised them. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and let me give you, let me give you a couple more quick ones. So okay. JC Jackson, I'm going to say that has surprised me because it is easy to forget that back in week 16 of last year, he got torched by Stefan Diggs mm-hmm. in that game. And, and I, to me, that had the question in the back of my mind, like, well, is he a number one corner or is he sort of a two who, when he had to go up and play the one when Stefan Gilmore was out, like, what is he? Well, I think he's proven to be a number one. And so that has surprised me a little bit. And, and on top of that, that Stefan Gilmore's absence hasn't hurt them. Like, I think that has surprised me. Yeah. And I could, I could go, I could go keep going, but like, those are a couple of thoughts that off the top of my head, you know, I think it all kind of feeds into the idea that I, look, I, I didn't think that Bill would have them back in this competitive, this quickly after their departure, Tom, but I, I, I go back and I was trying to find a historical comparison and I'd be interested to see if you could find one as well. For me, it's the post-Elway Broncos, where Mike Shanahan got to the Super Bowl with, with obviously with John Elway, and then he had the one bridge year, and then Brian Greasy came in. And now, granted, that was Greasy's third full year in the league, mm-hmm. his first full year as a starting quarterback, and they were able to get to 11-5. and five. They never got back to the Super Bowl, but they remain competitive for an extended stretch in the post Elway era. I'm fascinated to see if if you could think of, obviously, you know, we know the Montana to Steve Young, 
we know the Favre to, you know, Aaron Rodgers, but is there a team out there, a transition for you that stands out where you say, you know, I can, I can see what the Patriots are going through here because these guys went through it before. Not really. You know, I can't, I can't think of it. I'd want to put more thought into it to give you a good answer. I mean, the Packers was one that came to mind where, mm-hmm. you know, they had Favre and Rogers fell to him and, you know, Rogers sat for a couple of years, but that's not even the same mm-hmm. because you'd, you'd have to have Tom here mm-hmm. and draft Mac, you know what I mean? To have that transition. And so what really stands out to me is just how long that process usually is. Mm-hmm. I mean, Miami Marino to like Tua was like a two decade progression. You know, the bills from Kelly to now Josh Allen, you know, to me, that's like a two decade progression to get there, you know? So I just circle back to this pricey, like the fact that Mac was available to them at 15, like all the factors that led into that, like that there were four other good quarterbacks you know, that we're in that class, mm-hmm. like, look at this year's draft. It doesn't look like, can you imagine if they were in this position this well, year? I, like I did. I, I wanted to ask you about that. And, and I'm glad you bring that up that, that this selection of Mac Jones last year is not only done in a vacuum, a single year to year vacuum, but you look at the quarterback classes for this year and next year, and they are apparently nowhere near as good as the group that was there this past spring. And so, you know, that's another point in the Patriots favor where you say, look, they were looking for their guy. They were clearly looking for their guy. They went and got him this year because the next couple of years, you know, you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what's out there. It's amazing. Pricey. I've had this discussion with people around the league. Like when you're looking for the next quarterback, there's really usually only two ways that you get the guy you hope for. And it's, I don't want to say to tank, but it's to really struggle and get up high in the draft or it's to make a ridiculous trade, right? Like trade a ton of assets and get up in the draft and, and pick the guy or trade for him. You know, mm-hmm. if, if one becomes available, right? Like, and maybe like a Russell Wilson becomes available this off season. And that's, you take that type of path. I think what's so unusual about this is, you know, you had one of your worst seasons. It was a COVID year. You're seven and nine. You're sitting at 15th. Like there's a reason that like not a lot of quarterbacks have been picked 15th. I think it was Dwayne Haskins was the last one. You know, obviously that wasn't great, but usually they go up high. Mm -hmm. And like, so just the confluence of factors of like Mac wasn't for everyone. And and this is a whole nother discussion. Pricey, if you put Mac on the Jets, let's say the Jets picked him number two. Like, I don't know if you agree with me. Like, I don't think he'd be doing what he's doing now. Like it's the combination of Mac and the Patriots, right? Mm -hmm. The yeah. coaching. Yeah. So just, you know, they just a, a, a lot of good fortune, I think, you know, for the Patriots. And it's just amazing to think that it's a one-year bridge. I, I want to be cautious about making comparisons to the 2001 team because obviously the year isn't over yet. There's a lot of football left to be played. But one of the things that stood out to me about this team that kind of mirrors the 01 team, I think, in a lot of ways, is the way they're winning games running the ball, tough defense, good special teams, not making a lot of mistakes, not, you know, turning the ball over an awful lot. What about, what about for you when it, when it comes to those comparisons to the 01 team, what if anything has resonated for you in that same way? Well, how about this? I mean, how about you had a game against Tampa in week four defending Super Bowl champions 
that you were right there in the end, you lost it, mm -hmm. but you came out of that game and you probably felt pretty good about yourself. And if I'm not mistaken, Pricey, 2001, the Rams were the defending Super Bowl champions when they came in, right? And the Patriots lost the game, but they played them pretty tough. Mm -hmm. And they, they, they had a reason to feel good about themselves. Like, Hey, we can hang with the best teams in the league. And they went on a run, right? Like in 2001. So right now the Patriots are on a run. It wasn't immediately after that Bucks game, right? They had to have a, a struggle against Houston, mm -hmm. uh, a heartbreaking overtime loss to the Cowboys, but that would be a link, you know, that I would see uh, between the teams. And, and also another link was 2001. And you've written on this, talked about this a lot. Like, that free agent class yeah. was dynamite in 2001, right? Um, this free agent class that they spent a lot more money on this year than they did back in 2001, that's NFL inflation for you. But 20 years later, couldn't you make a connection to, wow, a lot of new guys came in, some guys fit roles, some guys played huge roles, and they came together as a team nonetheless. What's the ceiling for this team? I mean, obviously we sit here on December 10th in their nine and four in their first place in the AFC. And they honestly, to my mind, they have a chance to, to run the table the rest of the way, which would be absolutely ridiculous when you think about it an 11 game win streak to finish the regular season. But, but do you put them in that conversation yet? I, I, I feel like they have the chance, but again, there's still a lot of football left to be played, so I don't want to jump the gun, but where, where do you put them in the overall AFC hierarchy right now? So to me, the ceiling, Pricey, is that they can contend for a Super Bowl championship, and I, I don't think it's, it's um, outlandish or hot takey to say that. I think mm -hmm. a huge part of that is everything around them. Like, okay, if not the Patriots, then, then who, who are you saying? Like, oh, that's a team that definitely is there, yeah. you know? And, and so that landscape coupled with the way they're playing. So I always go to the turnover differential. How many times have we been in that press conference room and Bill Belichick has said, turnover differential correlates more than anything to wins and losses, mm -hmm. right? And so they're turning, they're, the other, they're creating turnovers and they're taking care of the ball. So right now they're plus 10, in the turnover differential there, I think that's third in the league. And so if you take care of the ball, you take it away from the other team. Uh, here's the number 173 and 18. That's their record. 173 and 18 under Belichick when they have a positive turnover differential. So play the way you're playing. Like the numbers tell us 173 and 18, go get it right. Mm -hmm. It's right there for them. From a league-wide perspective, this feels like one of those seasons where we're going to look back and say, wow, that team made it to the AFC Championship game? You know, we're, we're, we're in for, I think, a bit of a wide-open postseason. Is there a team out there right now, other than New England, maybe specific to the AFC, where you could point to them and say, wow, you know, this team, this team is not maybe all there right now, but they have a shot at making some noise come, come playoff time? Yeah, definitely. I mean, so Kansas City is one that you look at and say with Mahomes, you obviously respect him. And the reason I would start with them is their defense looks like it's playing a lot better mm -hmm. than it had. And so to me, if the defense wasn't playing as well as it has in recent weeks, I might say, yeah, that, that you can probably handle that team because I assume the offense in Mahomes is going to come around, right? Like the cream ultimately rises to the top. So 
I'm projecting that the offense is going to get better to complement the defense that's now playing good football. So I think the Chiefs would be one team that comes to mind. And the Titans, Crazy, you know, I think I think the way they played the Patriots a couple weeks ago, I was very impressed with their toughness, mm-hmm. you know, given how shorthanded they were. And, and I was thinking from their perspective, like, wouldn't they love to see the Patriots again with a few more of their pieces? Like, I think they're a team like, like you got to buckle up your chin strap and like they, they play like the Patriots. They do. It's sort of the way I say, you know, they so do. those, those two come to mind. I think Buffalo is going to give the Patriots a really tough game on December 26th. Okay. And I'll call myself out on this. Like if they don't like, I, I'm not buying this. Oh, the Patriots broke the bills. Mm-hmm. You know, people look at, I, I'm not buying it. I think the bills are still a good team. I could be way off on that, but I put them in the discussion as well and baltimore always plays the patriots stuff but they got some serious injury situations mm-hmm. um so those were a few those were a few that came to my mind last question for me and i think that this kind of circles back around to this year's patriots team one of the things that we're not giving them enough credit for is the fact that they could go undefeated on the road two of my favorite patriots teams that i covered the 07 team and the 2016 team were both undefeated away from home that is an incredibly hard thing to do. I know that the home road splits are not necessarily what they used to be a couple of years ago, but I think that's something that we need to point to more that that really distinguishes this team as, as being not just a uh, not just a good team, but a team that has potential to do very impressive things down the road. Yeah, great, great point for sure. And I think we talked about at the start about the team coming together and all pulling in the same direction. You oftentimes see that on the road because sometimes all you have is yourself, right? Like, and so you got to come together. The one thought I have on that is like prior to this bills game, like this road schedule, it's been unusual in that, like there haven't been a lot of like hostile environments in a lot of ways, pricey. They felt like home games. So like real quick rundown, like at the jets week two, semi hostile, like Mm -hmm. the jets still had hope and the Patriots just, made Zach Wilson look awful. Right. And it turned into Patriots crowd at Houston. I mean, that was like, bring your own energy. Like there was no one there that week, you know? Um, And then follow that up with at the chargers, like unbelievable venue pricey, but like charger fans, like they just, it was more like, it was like half Patriot fans there, you know, in that game Uh, at Carolina, similar, like, respectful crowd a little bit of noise but more patriot fans in my view from what i saw um and then so it really and then at atlanta on the thursday night i mean that's college country i was stunned at like i, I want to estimate 60 percent capacity with maybe 30 percent of the of, of patriot fans so to me it was at buffalo was the real hostile one and they're gonna have two tough ones coming up oh i should say one at indy Saturday night is probably, you know, that's going to be a tough environment and we'll see what at Miami looks like. That's the one. Yeah. That's, it was funny. I was talking about this with someone earlier in the season, that game, I think still has the potential to scare the crap out of any Patriots fan, because we all know what happens down there late in the season. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, how many examples we can go back to years where the Dolphins had like two wins mm-hmm. and, and the Patriots go down there in December. And it's like Jason Taylor is like creating havoc and nightmares. Right. So uh, no doubt, you know, like even if the Dolphins weren't 
on this like win streak that they're on now or not win streak, but just sort of winning ways. Like I would still point to that one as watch out, even though I don't think the environment itself, like Patriot fans travel well, and I would expect a lot of them down there. But to me, pricey, like that's anything but a layup. I, I got one more question for you. I, I know that's the last question, but I got one more question for you. And I know you've written about this and I know you've talked about this before, but I would love to be able to get an updated version of your, of your opinion here. If, if it has in fact changed, how much longer is Bill going to do this? I, I, my own personal opinion is he wants to be able to surpass Don Shula in the all-time wins list. What is your opinion? How long is he going to continue to coach? So to hold myself accountable, I think I've, I've always said, tell me how long Tom is going to play, Tom Brady, and then add two years. You know, that's what I had said in the past. And I think part of my thought was, you know, I think when people talk about Bill's legacy, you know, like Hall of Fame voters, and I'm not one of them, but I think they'll, they'll have the discussion and they'll probably bring up two points. You know, the first is how much do we need to have a conversation about some of the NFL investigations around his team? You know, and I, I know how I would answer that, which is please, you know, like they are what they are, but you know, that does not diminish the greatness of this coach. Mm -hmm. And then the second question that I think they would probably discuss is, well, how much was Tom Brady, you know, a contributor to the success he had, you know, and with that in mind, I always thought, and I don't think that that's particularly necessarily the driving force for Bill, but I've always thought like he'd probably want to coach a couple more after Tom's done to just leave no doubt on that, you know, as part of that discussion. And I think he's enjoying it. He's got a son, Steve, right? Outside linebackers coach, play caller, son, Brian, safeties coach growing. Like, and what would he do if he's not <laughs> coaching? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he'd probably go coach like high school lacrosse somewhere. But like, I think this is a huge part of his life. And I'm not saying like, I know him that well, pricey, but like strikes me as the type of thing, like he's got good people around him. He's got a good situation. Like why stop now? Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to do this, man. This has been a kick. Getting the chance to do this podcast has been a great opportunity for me to be able to kick some thoughts around with some people who really know the game, whose opinions I really respect. And you are right there at the top of the list, my friend. I really appreciate you doing this. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk and hopefully we can hook it up again somewhere down the road. My pleasure. Always love talking with you, Tracy, and I look forward to the next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.